Keep the change, you filthy animal. Where is the beef? Hey, how you doing? Hold on to your butt. Feels like an Arby's snack. Mine. Son of a... That's gonna leave a mark. Chili, baby, back with Well, what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. This is Tom and Jim's Top 5. Naming their top five lists on everything pop culture. Celebrating the 90s, sports, movies, music, and more. They're not authorities, just grown children. Here's your hosts, Tom Skull and Jim Doubt. You okay? You sound frazzled. Yeah. Are you not frazzled? I live my life frazzled anymore. Yeah. You're going to end up with uh, Doc Brown hair. Yeah, I hope so. Which is a blessing and a curse all at the same time. So, cause yeah. I, th- I think his hair is pretty cool, personally. Yeah, I'm going gray pretty quick. Oh, I am too. My beard's getting gray, like really gray, and um, starting to piss me off. I got to be honest. <laughs> so, <laughs> starting to piss me off. All right, are you? Uh, you want to get, get this going then, right? We got the baby sleeping. Baby sleeping. Uh, yeah. Let's. Right. Uh, I think. I think I'm good. Okay. I think I'm good. Do you want me to sing mm-hmm. to you? No. Oh. <laughs> I really wanted to sing. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think one time I sang on here and someone said, don't ever sing again. So maybe I'll just follow that, that <laughs> advice. Uh, all right. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's do this show, Jim. I'm ready if you are. I'm ready. Hello, everyone. This is Tom and Jim's Top 5. I am Tom Skull, and I am joined by... Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. No one sent a middle name in, but I have one for you. In oh, honor boy. of our show last week, you are James Eleanor Doubt. Are you even trying anymore? I, I'm still stuck on the letter E. Am I right on the letter E? Do you want to even do give... You, do, you, do you want to know? Well, here's... I think I know for sure it's E, because when we were playing NBA Jam for seven hours, um, you put in your initials, <laughs> and I caught it, and I thought it said J... E-D. Wow. Am I right? You are were, you were such a sleuth. I'm an, I'm observant. What good, a gumshoe. Good job, gumshoes. Where in the world is James <laughs> Eleanor Delft? All right. It is an E. You it are is, correct. Okay, so we're on there, but it's not Eleanor, obviously. But, um, well, that was my guess, so I have to wait till next week to guess again. So, But, you know, people out there, give, give us some good guesses. I think uh, Tilda Swinton Doubt was my favorite so far. <laughs> <laughs> so... All right, all right. And you doing well, Jim? Got the baby down to sleep. Wife's at work. House to yourself. Party. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those things are true. Okay, good. <laughs> we'll let we'll let everyone out there guess which ones are. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, we're doing a show this week. Uh, we are doing our top five news stories that define the '90s. This is a very weird topic. This is a weird topic, but it but when I. I proposed this topic to you. Last week you proposed the the car one, which I loved. And so I, I, I proposed one to you this week. And uh, at first we were both like, yes, this could be fun. And then we're like, oh, man, this could turn serious. <laughs> so but it is it, – it can be fun. I think it, we can have some fun with it. But along that uh, along that staying fun with things, we, we do need to address, I think, two very serious news stories – that we're going to leave off our top five, and um, 
because we don't feel right about even trying to joke or be funny. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring the funny here, Jim. And uh, so we should, let's talk about those right now. Can we do that? Yeah. Okay. So the the number one or number one thing I think most people in the '90s think of, especially ones who grew up in our era, our you know we graduated in the '90s or 2000, is Columbine. Of course. Now, this would be number one on my list as, as news stories from the '90s, and I'm guessing it would probably be yours as well. And yeah. uh, I just didn't feel comfortable saying. Well, we didn't have we wouldn't have to joke. We would just talk about it, and it just gets too serious. And I do believe people don't come here all the time to listen to us. They listen to us to be funny, and I can't be funny about that. That's just it's a horrible thing. But it literally changed everything and and what we're dealing with today. So I mean, what do you say about it? Uh, we just had the 19th anniversary just a few days ago. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, right. It. Uh, yeah. I mean, it changed. It changed everything. Not just procedurally how high schools are mm-hmm. um i was a sophomore in high school when it happened and then we got a liaison police officer in the school and uh, you know everything just changed a little bit and i i went to a school it was you know kind of out in the middle of the country and out in the middle of nowhere so we didn't have metal detectors or anything like that but i know a lot of schools enacted those things and stricter right. dress codes and clear backpacks and no baggy pants and all that stuff right um yeah, I mean, it it just changed the mindset of everything, and I, uh, I I don't want to get too serious, and I don't want to I want to go back to like how we normally do the show. But I was right. just thinking the other day, and I think we mentioned this with the the Parkland kids doing what they're doing and taking a stance and and spreading everything on social media. Like when we were in high school, we didn't have social media. We barely had internet. Right. We had AOL messenger maybe. Yeah, right. You know? And we didn't use it for good. Right. I'll tell you. No, no. <laughs> my, my screen name of skull Papa wasn't uh, taken very seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a true story. Um, but it's just interesting to watch these kids take a stance and try to change things where I think a lot of our mentality has always been, um, we'll just wait for everything else to change around us and wait for right. our generation to grow up and change things. Right. And they aren't doing that. And it's impressive to see. Right. And, you know, and you're right. We didn't have that, that type of social media, anything like that. And it was really kind of the first of its kind for uh, like the school shootings and stuff. Not that it, we shouldn't have taken a bigger stand and stuff like that, but it's, um, it really did start a, and sadly a trend that has happened now for 19 years and, uh, and, um, you know, I just, we, you know, I talked about, I think on our other, my other podcast about like my son's school, well, not even a school, but a school down the street, a high school down the street had a threat. Um, it was fine. You know, most of them are empty threats and stuff, but it was, it's scary, especially now when you have children. And, uh, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's too bad that we can't even move on from this and we're still having to deal with this today. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know where I was going with that, but it just it, that's kind of go, a roundabout way of saying why I just can't put this in my list as a funny park. But we want everyone to know that this is this we we know this is an important topic and important news story. So I think is that it on Columbine. You think that's good? Well, well, on a, on a lighter side, yeah. of, of that, I remember. So that happened obviously in April, and then uh, it was right before finals. So when finals week rolled around, I remember. Uh, there was a threat on our school, like a ton of other schools around the country. And uh, a lot of parents kept their kids home, including my friends, Adam and Tom, 
uh, didn't go to school that day. Adam didn't have to because he was a senior, and you don't take finals when you're a senior second semester. So it's just right. like you're you're done. <laughs> you're just done. So he was at home, right? And then my friend Tom stayed home with him, and uh, my mom still made me go to school <laughs> with a threat on the school. Oh no! Are you serious? Looking back, I'm like, there was a threat uh, on your school. Oh yeah. Oh the mile. Oh man. Yeah, and then uh, I still had to go to school that day and take a final. Wow. Thanks, mom. Thanks. Um, but the teacher I had, I remember the teacher was like, she goes, if you come that day and you take my test, you will get an A if you just fill out the Scantron. I don't care what's on it. I'm not even going to run them through the machine. Yeah. If you're here and you take the final, you, you will get an A on the final. It's That's the least that teacher could do. <laughs> yes, it really is. Well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I do. It's... I'm trying to remember if there's anything, you know, from, I remembered this video. I think I was, a. Uh, what year did you graduate from high school? Oh, one. Oh, one. Okay. And I was 2000. So I was a junior and I remember, you know, people freaking out, uh, about it and, uh, and people are getting mad. Like, Oh, now we're going to have metal detectors in the, in the school and stuff. And I was like, go ahead. <laughs> like, what do I care? You know, like, yeah, right. it's fine with me. I'm not the one hiding any weapons, you know, but, um, yeah, but we did get the liaison officers that crack down on all the, all the, the stuff you wear and everything. And, uh, we didn't go to school uniforms or anything, but I know a lot of schools across the country did, you know, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, so we didn't, we didn't feel very comfortable joking about that. And I think, uh, I, but wait, I'm glad we talked about it and it, and we'll get to the funny later, but I think this is an important discussion you and I have had. I don't think Jim, I don't think you and I have ever really talked about this subject until recently with the parkland stuff you know yeah, yeah. so it's kind of it's kind of good and, and being now in our 30s looking back it's you, you look at the world differently anyway so and uh so the other one is the um and it's a little too close to home for some of our very dear friends but it's also it's it's just really it's an attack it was an attack on our country um in 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 the 90s which was the oklahoma city bombing mm-hmm. and uh you know when living in minnesota when that happened i was in junior high school and I remember coming home. I, I lived uh, two blocks from the school, so I'd walk home for lunch. And I my my mom was home, and she had it on. And my friends, two of my friends, came with me. We watched it, and I've just never seen anything like that, you know, before. Even when the Gulf War was going on in the early '90s, like it just didn't. It still felt so far away from home, you know. So that one was like, this was like, shit. This is only a couple states away, you know. It's kind of weird. And um, and then living in Oklahoma, and then having some of our dear friends from there, and then going to see the memorial and everything. There's just no yeah. way I could I could talk about this and try to be funny. No one should. No one would. We wouldn't have done yeah. that anyway if we left it in our list. But it just I, it's just it's so hard. And then of course what happened a few years after that with with uh, you know nine eleven. It uh, it was just it's just it's a hard one to talk about and to put in there. So what do you what do you have on that? Um, I did go through the memorial when we lived in Oklahoma, and yeah. uh, I just I always remember remember the survivor tree. The one tree that survived the bombing. Oh yeah, and uh, they kind of built everything around it, and the whole memorial off to the side of it. It's it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's amazing. If anybody's ever in the area, that's definitely something you should do. Yeah, it's it's totally worth it. I remember I was there living there only a couple months. My parents came to visit, and we lived in Tulsa, obviously. But you know, Oklahoma City is what an hour and fifteen minutes away. Yeah. And we we went to it because my parents wanted to see it. I wanted to see it. We felt it was important, and uh, we just sobbed through the whole thing. You know, it's just it's so heartbreaking, and but it's so important. If you are in the area, you should go see it 
But, uh, yeah, with uh, some of our best friends still there and who were there at the time that happened, we're just not going to – we're not going to put that in our top five list. But So these are actually, I think, above our top five list. These two deserve this little subject, this little talk we just had, I think. So are we good on that, you think? I think so. Okay, let's get to, let's get to our our top five. Um, saying that, I I picked, I I tried to you were, we were we were going back and forth a lot. This is the first time we kind of like told not told each other what we have on our list, but we talked about the Columbine Oklahoma City thing, how we're going to handle that, and maybe some things that we might have. And I I kind of picked picked mine that kind of give me a chuckle now that I look look back on it. Um, but there are very huge news stories, so that's kind of what I did with my '90s ones. Did you kind of do something similar? Or I just did stories that i thought were the most interesting yeah that, personally like things that i find interesting right that's good and that's good and i think uh, you know the ones i have uh, i definitely find interesting and I'm, I'm actually really excited to tell you my number five <laughs> so can i start is that okay go for it all right my my number five. Oh, i don't even have my notes up because i'm so excited no here there um so my number five happened in uh 1996 and it is the birth of Dolly the sheep, the first cloned ma- uh, mammal from an adult uh, cell. <laughs> do you remember this? I do now that you say it, but that definitely would not have been anything that I would have even thought about. Here's why. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I remember this happening. And I, th- I if you look back at it, oh, this is so 90s. Because like, look at all the, like, I think there was a movie with Michael Keaton that came out after this, Multiplicity, where he clones himself. Mm. <laughs> you know, like... It's just, it's just so weird. Like, they cloned a sheep. I remember just people talking about it. They cloned a sheep, and everyone's like, who cares? How can you tell what one sheep from the other one looks like? I remember even thinking that. But um, I just think it was it was cool. It was such a breakthrough. Um, not knowing why at the time when it came out, like, I think when they said they cloned a sheep, I'm like, why? Like, why do we need to? <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, like, but, but anyway, it happened. Uh, it was cloned by, uh, uh, it was the first mammal, I should say. It was a female uh, sheep, and it was the first mammal cloned from an adult cell. Um, they were cloning from baby, uh, you know, calf cells and stuff before. But it was, and they used the process of nuclear transfer, which I found is interesting. I, 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 I'm, I love tech stuff and science stuff, so I get kind of nerdy about this stuff. But Dolly was cloned by Keith Campbell and Ian, uh, Ian Wilmot of, uh, in, uh, of Roslyn Institute, which is part of University of Edinburgh, Edinburgh over in Scotland. And um, she was born, born July 5th, 1996. Uh, she did die. Uh, she, her, she is no longer living. She died of progressive lung disease uh, five months before her seventh birthday. Um, she was called the world's most famous sheep, which I, I guess, I mean, what other one? I mean, the one little Bo Peep had, I guess, would be pretty pretty famous. <laughs> ba ba black sheep, have you any wool? Um, anyway, the cell they used uh, as the donor, uh, the cell used as, as the donor of the for cloning a dolly, was taken from a mammary gland of another sheep, and the production uh, in the production of a healthy clone therefore proved to be the cell taken from a specific part of the body could recreate a whole individual. So they took a gland that can from one part of the body can make a whole thing. Uh, the name. <laughs> This is funny. The name Dolly, uh, Wilmot, one of the guys said, it's derived from a mammary, Dolly's derived from a mammary gland, so we couldn't think of a more impressive pair of glands than Dolly Parton. Which I thought, really, yes. dude? Really? Wow. <laughs> but that's uh, that's why Dolly has the name. Uh, Dolly had three mothers. Uh, one provided the egg, another the DNA, and the third carried the embryo, which uh, birthed uh, Dolly. Uh, 
she, so it was created with that, like I said, nuclear transfer, which is it's a uh, where the cell nucleus. I know I'm getting really nerdy here, but stay with me. Cell nucleus from an adult cell is transferred into an unfertilized egg, and um, and then it has its cell nucleus removed. And that's what nuclear transfer means. Uh, the hybrid cell then is stimulated and divided by electric shock, and um, that's and it's implanted in the mother. So there you go. And uh, she was born healthy, and so that made her the first cloned sheep which is cool. She was on the cover of Time Magazine that year, um, <laughs> which I remember I remember seeing that, like it's, it's just a picture of a sheep. It's like, it looks like every sheep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they considered it the breakthrough of the year for science that year, um, obviously. Um, the thing is, it's a lot of scientists, you know, we joke around here, but like, it's a clone sheep, why? You know, and like, oh, why are they cloning things? That's scary. But really, scientists look at it more as a... a um, uh, more of a breakthrough for stem cell research, which is still going on today. So that was kind of like the first foray into that, which that's what they really were, you know, that's why they're really proud of to be able to do that. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, she always, she lived her whole entire, entire life at the in, the Institute she was born in, born in. I think they did that out of safety concerns and stuff. Uh, so she was never an outside sheep or anything like that. Um, her first, she did have, uh, she did have six sheep or lambs herself, uh, a Bonnie, two twins named Sally and Rosie, and triplets, Lucy, Darcy, and Cotton. So there you go. Uh, she was totally healthy. Everything was fine. She did. She was expected to live 11 to 12 years. She did die at six and a half years. Some people speculated it was because she was from a clone sheep, but after further tests, it just, no, she just, she contracted a lung disease, and that's how she died. It had nothing to do with the fact that she was cloned from another sheep. Um she does have four identical clones as of July 2016. Uh, Daisy, Debbie, Diana, and Denise. So there you go. So there's more clones being made from her, which is cool. And uh, I just thought it was cool. I mean, a clone sh- if they cloned a sheep, they have since cloned uh, uh, deer and elk and some other animals since then. Um, and uh, just as of this year, uh, this is the first successful cloning of a primate species happened. And in, uh, in China, um, Zhang Zhang and Hao Hao, there's the two, there's the two identical clones of a Macaukee monkey. I think that's how you say it. And uh, yeah, this is pretty cool. Dolly the sheep. You, you remember Dolly? You don't remember? You, you remember that, but you just wasn't one you thought of, huh? Yeah, it's something I haven't thought of um, <laughs> since, in, in since it happened. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I definitely just learned more about sheeps than I cared to. Oh, I did too 15 minutes ago when I researched it. <laughs> But um, no, it's it, I I thought it was it's cool it's cool it is scary people like freak out I think they there's they've made many movies and stuff about uh, cloning people and other things you know and of course it's always like <laughs> your clone comes and kills you and lives your life you know that kind of stuff you know but um, I do like it the fact that it was a breakthrough for the stem cell research stuff and uh, I know people are either yay or nay on that stuff but it's a, I think it's important so. Uh, pretty cool. And then of course, because it's a sheep, which is just a funny animal anyway, for some reason, you know, SNL and all these television shows, they had tons of things about, you know, that, that it was in tons of pop culture things. Um, Dolly the sheep was, but there you go. I think that's, you got enough on Dolly the sheep. I think you got enough on that, don't you? I think I'm good. (laughs) So, all right. All right. Her name is Dolly. Seven months old, she may not be the monster imagined in a science fiction fantasy, yet the cuddly Finn Dorset lamb may represent a major landmark in the history of genetic engineering. On an ordinary farm in Scotland, scientists say a clone was created from a single cell taken from the udder of a sheep. 
The embryo was then implanted in a surrogate, making an exact genetic copy of its so-called mother. Scientists hail it as a triumph for research in aging, medicine, and genetics. All right, man, what, uh, what is your number five? Um, my number five is, is uh, nothing about stem cells or cloning. It's uh, the, the suicide of Kurt Cobain. Oh, okay. All right. April 5th, 1994. Yep. Uh, Nirvana only did three albums, Bleach in 89, Nevermind in 91, and In Utero in 93. And uh, there's only three members. Uh, Chris Novacelic and uh, most notably Dave Grohl right. on the drums. They had a few different drummers throughout. And then uh, Cobain. And on April 8th, uh, his body was discovered. Um, at his home by an electrician who'd arrived to install a security system. And um, apart from a minor amount of blood coming out of Cobain's ear, the electrician reported seeing no visible signs of trauma and initially believed he was asleep until he saw a shotgun pointing at his chin. Um, there was a note um, addressed to Cobain's childhood imaginary friend, which is odd, That's that odd. stated that Cobain had... Uh, not felt the excitement of listening to well created creating as well as creating music along with uh, writing for too many years hmm. so he was sad how old, yeah. how old was Kurt Coleman? he's in his 20s still uh, 20, was he 27 was he in that club yeah probably it seems like um, near there I'm sure I, without looking it up here but he, yeah, he was he was in the Twenty Seven Club along with Hendrix, Joplin, Chris Cornell. I think. Um, well, now there's like Amy Winehouse is in that. I think Amy Winehouse. Yeah. I think uh, um, Morrison. I think was in that club too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just pulled up Twenty Seven. You can just Google Twenty Seven Club members, and there's uh, a lot of them. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very odd. Yeah. Um, th- this one uh, we talked about this before a little bit when we talked. Um, uh, about Nirvana, right? I feel mm-hmm. like we've talked about this. Um, uh, what else you got on it? Oh, there's always a, a controversy or whatever. Right. Um, you know, it was ruled a suicide. We've his uh, we saw his death certificate. His death certificate is at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, we just um, saw that. Yeah, it's um, it was suggested that he didn't actually kill himself. Now, Courtney Love, who was his wife, it was actress and lead singer of Hole and All Around Junkie. Um, she hired a private investigator and um, believed that Cobain was murdered as a result of a conspiracy. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Yeah. His theory was um, written in a couple books and TV shows and a docudrama and um, I don't know. I, I think he killed himself. Yeah. yeah, he was in. He had stomach problems. He was in a ton of pain for a large part of his life. He was. He's depressed uh, too. I mean, he's a. He was very depressed. He was a junkie. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Like I don't know. Like you can watch. There's like different document. We talked about this before. There's different documentaries out there, and one will be so pro he killed himself, and the other one is pro that he was murdered. And you could just watch them both and go, yeah, I can see that. Like it's just. I don't know which one, you know, so I'm not going to say which one, but he most likely he probably shot himself. I think that's what happened. Um, but it wasn't he, didn't he have a bunch of heroin in the system too? 
Yeah, I think he had like enough to kill an elephant. Well, I, I think mean, it's also one of the theories that like he there's no way that he would have been able to inject that much heroin into his body right. and still shoot himself with a shotgun. Right. Yeah. So crazy. Well, yeah, that's this one. Um, as far as defining the '90s, though, I mean, this one is this is huge. This was this was kind of a big shock to, I guess, our age group because this is the first like rock star that we connected with that that this happened you know yeah i mean i remember coming home i was in fifth grade i remember coming home and flipping on mtv and seeing kurt loader tell me that yeah. cobain was dead i mean i very yeah. very vividly remember that yeah i can still hear i can still hear kurt loader saying that like I, you know you just had the distinct what you just like and you know lead singer of nirvana you know kurt cobain is now is dead it's like whoa what what happened <laughs> yeah yeah so all right, man. Well, that's a that's a good one. That's a definitely a definitely uh, defining the, the nine ni- defining the '90s moment for sure. So, anything and, else on yeah. that? I'm gonna fact check myself because when I googled uh, the 27 Years Club, yeah, it said people also searched for and and Hendrix and Joplin were in that club, but then I think I said Chris Cornell and he was 52. Oh, he's the next name on the list oh, on Google. So I think I just read it. Um, if it makes you so, feel yeah, better, yeah. I didn't listen to when you were saying that, so I didn't hear you say Chris I Cornell. Know. So no one else I did. Know. But it was really more for me because when I listen back to this, I'm gonna be like, "What the yeah, hell?" Right, right. Um, are you fact checking still, or should we move on? <laughs> no, I should just real time fact check everything. Yeah, do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I can pull it up here. No, too. I'm good though. You're I'm good. done. You sure? All right. Hey, Kurt Cobain, the leader of one of rock's most gifted and promising bands, Nirvana, is dead. And this is the story as we know it so far. Cobain's body was found in a house in Seattle on Friday morning. He was dead of an apparently self-inflicted shotgun blast to the head. Police found what is said to be a suicide note at the scene, but have not yet divulged its contents. Cobain, who was 27, had reportedly been missing for about six days, according to his mother. The Los Angeles Times reported on Wednesday that Nirvana was breaking up and that Cobain was planning to undergo drug rehabilitation. A source close to the band told MTV News earlier this week that while that story sounded bad, it was better than what was, quote, really going on. All right, man, my number four. Now, this one should bring uh, a chuckle to people, uh, a wince of your eyes, um, and uh, and uh, a look into domestic violence. Uh, but this is... Uh, <laughs> John Wayne Bobbitt and Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> and when she whacked off his willy. I don't think I really understood what that was about when that happened. I definitely didn't understand what you hear as a, because this happened in uh, 93, June of 93. You know, I'm, I'm an 11 year old kid. What I hear is someone got his willy whacked off, whacked off. You know, like, whacked, shouldn't say whacked off. Bad choice of words. Chopped off. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. And, uh, um, you know, and that's what you hear. But you know, as, as looking through this story and reading more about it and everything, uh, you know, it was pretty much proven that he was a very abusive physically and mentally and and uh, uh, verbally to his wife Lorena Bobbitt, and it led to all this and stuff. Not not saying you should go out and chop someone's dick off, but anyway. Uh, so that's what this. Anyway, let's get out to here. It's happened in 1983. Um, uh, she. <laughs> happened one night she was mad at him he was sleeping she took got up and go into the kitchen grabbed a knife and there you go chopped off there chopped it off left the house with it in in hand uh drove for a while <laughs> tossed out the window in a field and later the police did find it and uh it was surgically reattached in a nine and a half hour surgery 
Um, so he's uh, he's full, he, but it is it does say that he did not uh, regain full sensation in it. If you're wondering, uh, I wasn't. He, it, didn't he do some adult films after that? Yes, yes, he did. Uh, there is a sh- there is a adult. I don't know. I think he did a couple of them, but the one I think everyone would remember because it was joked about. It, the title of it's called Uncut. And of course it is. Of course it is. But yeah, this this one like kind of defined like the whole like it did. You know, now that I'm older, it did bring light to domestic violence, and 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 of course like in a and not in a bad way, but like it was like, oh, don't piss off your wife because you cut off your balls or whatever. You know, like um, and it was joked about for years. Still is joked about. You know, and and uh, no matter what. <laughs> Someone does you does to you. You should not physically abuse them back as much as that way. Uh, but whatever. Uh, um, he probably. It sounded like he deserved punishment anyway. Um, but yeah, this one is just. It's just an odd story, and it's just. This just kind of is lived on. So it's like it happened in '93, and it's like throughout the whole '90s, people talked about you know Lorraine and Bobbitt. They called it. You know they had different names for it. Uh, you know. Um, you know. I'm gonna bobatize you, you know. Like they said, all this stuff. I remember SNL just having field days for weeks on it, or, or in Living Color. And I remember, I remember a specific skit with Jim Carrey and how nervous he. he Jim Carrey is so good at being fun, kind of goofy, and he, he was just really nervous every time someone moved. He like freaked out, you know. Like it's just one of those things. Um, we can joke about it now, but what a horrible, horrible thing this probably happened. But. Um, she when at, during the night of that happened uh, when she left, uh, she realized the severity of her crime after she threw it out the window, and uh, she's the one who stopped and called nine one one on herself. So I thought that was, I never knew that. That was kind of interesting. Um, they did have a trial, and uh, she was found innocent, which uh, uh, she they they found her innocent, but uh, she wasn't mentally stable or um, pled insanity or whatever, and so that's what she got. And I don't know what kind of service, you know, what kind of think she served or anything but i don't think any jail time if any i don't think anything and uh they did not get divorced until after <laughs> like they didn't get divorced until two years later so um which i thought was weird but i'm sure it has something to do with like the process of everything but i just thought that was weird that they didn't get divorced until 95 and uh uh she is remarried has a kid um i believe he's been remarried a couple times he has some issues he's um had many dui problems oh. and dr- he's dr- dr- uh i think he it was he had drinking issues before, alcoholic issues, and so, and I can't imagine it got any better after having that trauma. <laughs> uh, but of course, he he made the most of it. Of course, he did the you know the, the porno movies, but then he was on Howard Stern, and they raised a bunch of money for him. And uh, he was on uh, Monday Night Raw for wrestling at one point, I remember. And he's just done all I'm these different it. things, yeah. So that's that one's. Uh, I don't know. I think '90s. I think of Lorena Bobbitt real quick. <laughs> I don't know why. So that's all I got. Weird Al, like incorporate her into a song. I feel like she was in a Weird Al Yankovic song. There is. Um, I was looking up. There is like a ballad to what John Wayne Bobbitt and like other songs I've I found, and I have to look up the Weird Al one. Um, I don't remember that one, but I'm sure he did. Why wouldn't he? You know. <laughs> so, uh, but that's all. That's all I got on that one. You got anything on that one? No. No. Well, no. Just, let's move on. <laughs> Defense lawyers argued the abuse drove Mrs. Bobbitt to a moment of insanity. Everything about this case is crazy and bizarre. This is a classic case of irresistible impulse. In this case, the impulse is clear. It's anger 
and it's to cut off her husband's penis. All right, what's your number four? Mm. Mm. <laughs> My number four yes. is um, the arrest and conviction of John Gotti. Oh, wow, yeah. That was the 90s. You think of him in the, of the 80s guy, but you're right, that was the 90s. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, they're early, early 90s, but uh, I, I'm fascinated with the mob. Yeah. And this is about as big as it gets. So uh, Gotti became the head of the Gambino crime family in New York. Uh, he grew up in poverty and turned to a life of crime at an early age and rose to um, quickly rose to prominence in the family. And at peak, he was considered uh, one of the most powerful and dangerous crime bosses in the country. Now, the big name besides Gotti in this is Sammy the Bull Gravano. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's credited with the FBI's success in convicting Gotti. In 91, Gravano turned state's evidence and testified in the prosecution against Gotti after hearing um, Gotti make several disparaging remarks against Gravano in a wiretap that implicated them both in several murders. Oh. In 92, Gotti was convicted of five murders, conspiracy to commit murder, racketeering, obstruction of justice, tax evasion, illegal gambling, extortion, and loan sharking. Oh, just classic. I think you could classic, probably just him. yeah, classic mob stuff. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at that point, you just want to make sure everything sticks. But I'm pretty sure the five murders were enough. He right? was he was sentenced to like, well, if he gets out of the racketeering and obstruction of justice, we got to get him on tax evasion, illegal gambling. Hey, we yeah. got to get him on something. That's how they got Al Capone. He was convicted to life in prison without parole. Yeah, that is, yeah, yeah. And then he died of like syphilis, didn't he? Um, yes. Uh, he was transferred to um, a U.S. penitentiary and died of throat cancer in 2002 mm. in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Uh, what I thought was interesting, I'm trying. I was trying to remember this story because so Gravano did serve time and got out, and he was in the Phoenix area, and got back into a life of crime and somebody was telling me the story when i lived there and i couldn't piece it all together it was like somebody we knew or like a father of somebody we knew i can't remember the exact story but um this person so the, what gravano ended up doing is he got in with like a local kids gang mm -hmm. and started using these high school kids to traffic ecstasy for him oh so he's selling like 30 tablets and grossing about $500,000 a week selling ecstasy in the Phoenix area. And uh, somebody, I can't even remember the story, but somebody we, I knew somehow um, went undercover in these high schools and like infiltrated his organization and, and got him. And that, that's how they ended up getting him a, on a second conviction. Um, I have a question. It wasn't, uh, yes. it wasn't Johnny Depp uh, in 21 Jump Street, was it? No. But good, good question. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, it was somebody, it was like a, a cop that we knew through work or like a relative of somebody we knew. Like it wasn't too far off from somebody that I actually knew was the one who wow. like did this. Yeah, it was pretty interesting, but I can't remember the exact story. Okay. Yeah, but I love uh, 
I'm interested in, in mafia ties and this was about as big as it gets and getting getting his uh number two to flip on him was it's just such such a great mob story. Yeah. Um didn't uh wasn't uh uh Tony Soprano kind of parts of him based on Gotti or was it based on other mob stories throughout the years? I think it's probably based on like a collection of Well I'm sure it's yeah, a lot movies. of it. Okay, cool. And there was I remember it being a, a movie, an HBO movie in the nineties called Gotti. I remember that. Um oh. yeah, but um cool man. Yeah, that's a good one. That's I didn't even think that wasn't even on my radar. That's a good one. So Thank you. Anything Thank else? You. No, that's it. All that's right. all I got. The crime boss John Gotti has been sentenced to life in prison with no parole. Gotti was said to be the most powerful crime figure in America. He was certainly the most visible and the most flamboyant, and he used to have a reputation for being untouchable. All right, Jim, uh, my number three. We're up to threes already. This is good. This is good. Plowing ahead. Um, my number three is uh, from 1994, and it is the, the awesome, just drama-filled story. Of Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Why? 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 Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, Nancy. It was funny the way you said it. I have to laugh at you. Um, But this was just what just took the U.S. figure skating world by storm, Jim. (laughs) This was crazy. You know, of course, it, it was going on during the 94 Winter Olympics in Lillehammer. And the incident that we're about to talk about here actually happened before um, the the Olympics started, and uh, it happened. So uh, Tanya Harding and Nancy are both figure skaters. Uh, Nancy Kerrigan was uh, figured as the favorite of that year, and Tanya Harding was also supposed to be pretty good, both American, and they were going to go on to the Olympics. And uh, Tanya Harding felt threatened, and so it, she was accused of hiring somebody, which would be her ex-husband. Uh, Jeff Galuli, which <laughs> that name is so fantastic for this story. Galuli. Um, uh, she was it was her ex-husband at the time, but her self-appointed bodyguard. They were still friends or together, whatever. Uh, hired uh, him, Sean Eckhart, and uh, uh, um, another guy named Shane uh, Stant, um, who I believe was the one that hit uh, Nancy Kerrigan when she came off the pra- ice after a practice run. And she went behind a curtain to walk like to the locker room thing, and suddenly the camera heard her. This was all on film. They didn't see her fall, but they heard her screaming. And apparently, they hit someone hit her with a big billy club type thing in the top of her knee. They were trying to break her leg, and uh, it didn't work. She didn't break her leg, and she did recover in time and did make the Olympics and and went on and won the silver medal that year. Um, and so, um, but this was just, this was just crazy. This overtook everything the Winter Olympics were that year. Like, no one cared about anything but this figure skating debacle. And, um, it was, it was, uh, it's just, it's just chock full of great drama. I uh, absolutely love it. Uh, their lives, uh, went kind of a separate ways after, I would say. Um, <laughs> uh, Nancy Kerrigan was the silver medalist. She didn't win the gold, but she was the... America's sweetheart for a while, box of Wheaties, all that stuff, and uh, Disney on Ice, and all you know, did all the interviews. And Tanya Harding, uh, later, you know, she would say I didn't have anything to do with it, but then she, uh, 
they did find her uh, that she did have something to do with it. She was banned from the U.S. figure skating team, banned from, you know, competing in figure skating. Um, and, did, uh, um, yeah. Did what she have to do with it include hiring men to try to break her kneecaps is that what she had to do with it <laughs> yeah that's what she that's what basically we, just okay just making sure yeah she does denies that but yeah <laughs> yeah that's what she did she had to do it she just, wanted just making sure we're on the same page. yeah we're on the same page here um harding she finished eighth that year and i remember this still back in 94 i remember her doing a run and she kept falling i remember she kept falling because everyone's watching this and even if you don't like Olymp- the winter olympics or the figure skating part of it you were watching this I remember her kept following her, and she was bawling, and she came over to the judge, and she was showing them her skate. I think she was trying to convince them that something was wrong with her lace or something, so they let her restart. I, I don't know why I still remember that vividly. Uh, anyway, she didn't finish enough. She finished eighth that year. Oksana Bayul, by the way, from Ukraine, won the gold. So it's all for naught. I mean, Kerrigan didn't win the gold, so what the hell? Who do we care? Um, <laughs> but... Uh, it's uh, New York Times has characterized this as one of the biggest scandals in American sports history. Um, I mean, this is probably before. Well, I, I don't know. What, what, there's been some good scandals after, I suppose. But this was a good one. This was a fantastic one. Um, Kerrigan ap- appeared on the cover of uh, Time and Newsweek uh, that year, or January '94. Um, she got, you know, this only helped Kerrigan. Hurting her only helped her, <laughs> and everyone loved her. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just an it was just a totally interesting story. I don't know. Uh, there's so much on it. There's a new movie out uh, called I Tanya, which won a bunch of awards. Um, it was it was nominated for a bunch of awards. I don't know if it, if it won much at all. I I have to look that up. But um, interesting story. Tanya Harding herself, like I said, their paths kind of went different different ways after the Olympics. Uh, Galuli and Stant and that, that Ecker guy all went to prison for various different times. Uh, changed their names later because I think they, people were out to get them forever. Um, Tanya Harding, I think at one point she got into professional wrestling. Uh, uh, she got uh, she she tried to get into music for a while, and actually she had one performance. Uh, her band was called the Golden Blades. How's that for a name for a band? Um, no, had one perf- really? Yes, yeah, swear to God. Uh, 1995 in Portland, Oregon, they, they had one performance. They were booed off stage. <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, she was also in a low-budget action f- film called Breakaway, which I know is one of your favorite films, um, which was released in 1996. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and she, um, she here's here's some good things about Tanya Harding. Uh, she uh, in 1996 she received media attention for giving mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to an 81-year-old woman who collapsed at a restaurant, or uh, sorry, in a Portland bar playing video poker. Uh, mm. So that she saved that lady's life. That's good. Thank you, Tanya, for that. Um, she uh, she appeared on uh, uh, the television game show The Weakest Link, the 15 Minutes of Fame edition. <laughs> so, wow. And, uh, and, since, and in March of 2008, she uh, became a commentator for the, the show uh, on True TV called this, uh, The World's Dumbest. You watch it, like, World's Dumbest Criminals. And I, I remember watching those, and they have, like, different comedians. It's all, like, C, C and D rate celebrities on there commenting but she would be on there uh she had a boxing career in the early 2000s as well and oh and she was on dance with the stars see like she got all the i guess later on she got all the fame right yeah no probably not but uh, well i think because um kerrigan won't speak like she she won't talk publicly on it at all no she really wants nothing to do with the limelight or no the history of it at all where uh Tanya Harding has nothing else. No, she's. This is what she has to. This is how she has to make a living. 
no. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what what uh, I mean, people were just enthralled with this story. Just these two, these two girls, like women going at it, even though they they weren't phys- like fighting through words or anything. It was just implied that. <laughs> Harding's people took her out and all this stuff and just a crazy story. You couldn't even write this stuff. You know, this is just a, this is a crazy one, but, um, and we joke, you know, like that, it, it is bad. Like no one should, you know, I feel bad for Nancy Kerrigan, what happened to her, but uh, that video of her just screaming, why, oh, why? It's like, oh my God. Oh. And, uh, it's kind of hurts my ears hearing it, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the one. I mean, this one was, uh, it's been talked about for years. I, I can't like watch, figure skating and not think of this ever you know what i mean like yeah you automatically <laughs> think of nancy kerrigan and tanya harding and yeah every um, four years yeah there was a i think her ex-husband also I, I didn't really want to get into this part that much but she did he did to get back at her or whatever probably to make money um released uh video and pictures of her on their wedding night and that that so she got caught in that too even after the this stuff, so um, she's had a rough, rough go. She doesn't make smart decisions, it sounds like, but um, yeah. So, <laughs> would I? What about? Do you have anything else on this one, man? Mm, no, no, I don't. No, all right, all right. Um, I don't think she won Dance with the Stars that year. I don't watch that show. Why? 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 <laughs> I don't know. It's some hard, hard black stick. Something really, really hard. All right, man. What is your number three? Uh, my number three, I um, am interested in like uh, when we talk about Scientology. I, I'm interested in like religious cults. Oh yeah. So I went with the Branch Davidian compound. Oh, this is a good one. It's crazy. It's right. just. So there's a lot of a, a lot of information on this, and it's still complicated that I couldn't really like paraphrase and rewrite anything. I pretty much just have to read straight out of Wikipedia on this stuff. It's just because it's so complicated. There's like there's the Branch Davidians. They're a religious group that started in 1955, um, and there's different groups: the Shepherd's Rod slash Davidians, and then they divided and there was like a huge shootout. So it, it's just, it's very complicated and many layers to this insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, the Branch Davidians are most associated with the, the Waco siege of 93. And that was the only thing I knew Waco for, for the longest time. Like when you, when you, I heard Waco, I thought of this. I didn't right. think of Baylor. I didn't think of, you know, the show on HGTV. The, I thought yeah, of- I was just gonna say that one. Everyone thinks of yeah. Chip and Joanna Gaines now. Chip and Joanna yeah. Gaines, no, yeah. I thought of, <laughs> Uh, like a lot of other people, I thought of this. And uh, so it starts off the Branch Davidians, um, they, they differ from the teachings, um, such as like the Holy Spirit and nature. They, there were two different groups and uh, the, the groups have disputed the, the relevance of the other's spiritual authority it's it's very weird and they they split okay so in the 1980s koresh and his followers abandoned um some of the other group and then people followed david koresh and uh then there was this new movement um one of the guys named uh george roden um he became like independent and then people followed him 
And then there was a series of violent shootouts between Roden's group and Koresh's group. Uh, the Mount Carmel compound was eventually taken over by the, the David Koresh's followers. And then 90, in 1993, the ATF and the Texas National Guard raided one of the properties belonging to um, the new religious movement centered around David Koresh. And that involved the, the Branch Davidians. Um, and they were suspected of having a lot of weapons, obviously, because they just had a huge shootout with half of the other sect of this religious insanity. Um, and while climbing a ladder, an officer accidentally shot himself in the leg, which began a two-hour firefight in which four ATF agents were killed. Um, this followed by a standoff with the FBI that lasted for 51 days. The siege ended with a raid that resulted in the deaths of Koresh and 82 of his followers. Wasn't it a fire? Didn't they burn the building down? Yeah, I think yeah. they did. Yeah. I think eventually they did, yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember, uh, what, what year was this? 93? Um, 93. Yeah, yeah. I, this is another one I remember. Just you're kind of, your family was kind of glued to the TV. I mean, like my family, they watched, like a lot of people, they watched the news during dinner. And so like this was just on, it felt like forever, every day they were talking about it. And you said it lasted 51 days, the standoff? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah, that David Crush dude, man. Like, didn't he think he was Jesus? Didn't wouldn't he say was along those lines or something like that? Or yeah, he kind of like was like a self-proclaimed prophet, I believe. Yeah. Had a bunch of wives. And these and stories are interesting to me. Like, the people that just like like Scientology and like so many other groups, the, the Jonestown and, and this in particular, it's the people that follow the these self-proclaimed leaders is is very fascinating to me um the uh the last podcast on the left had like a five-part thing on jim jones in jonestown that was incredibly fascinating that was fascinating um didn't know much about that story i'm kind of breaking off from what we're talking about here didn't know much about that the Jonestown story, except for drinking the Kool-Aid, you know that's where that term comes from, yeah. and uh, that was amazing. If you if you're into cults, at least learning about them and stuff, um, I recommend going to that one. Also, have you seen this new one on Netflix, Jim? The Wild West Country. Have you heard about I that? I haven't, but I've been waiting to watch oh, it. Well, Dana started watching it, and so I kind of jumped in the middle. It is fascinating. I think it's only a six-part deal. Um, I think it's only six parts, and uh, oh my gosh, it is so fascinating. And it happened in the early '80s. I had no, cl- I'd never heard of it until Netflix came out with this series. Um, very, so yeah. Um, I have a friend at work who says he always likes to say cults are so in right now, and he doesn't mean <laughs> he doesn't mean like it. They're cool. He just means like they're right now. There's people out there just telling these stories of these cults from over the years in such a fascinating way. And he's right. He's, it's like, it's so fascinating. Like the, the going clear thing we talked about on, uh, with, uh, Leah Remini, uh, for Scientology, this wild west country that Waco up. It's just amazing stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it, and I am the same way as you. I am fascinated by the people that, that follow these people. Like that's more interesting to me than the one guy who, or woman up there who's, leading them it's the people who have bought into this quote-unquote bullshit or whatever and it's amazing to me it's amazing so yeah wow what else you got on uh on this branch division thing um nothing i don't think i have anything else on that something else came to mind when we were talking about all the other different 
um, different cult type activities, but uh, it slipped. I don't remember what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. People in Waco, there's plenty of great people from Waco. We mentioned Chip and Joanna, but Baylor University is there. So this shouldn't be the only thing Waco is known for, but, uh, but it was for a long time. So uh, good one, Jim. All right. All right, man. Uh, good number two. I'm, or I'm no number three, and now we're on number two. Hello, everyone with us so far. <laughs> so, <laughs> what happened? All right, man. I um, I think you might have lived this one off your list because we kind of talked a little bit about it, and uh, but this one is so big that it, <laughs> I had to, I have to put it on here. It, and it's the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal. Of course, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what I mean. Wow, and this was this happened in ninety seven, ninety eight. I mean, it was going on the relationship they had. So, you know, uh, was from ninety five to ninety seven, and they, they came to light in ninety eight. So we were in high school at this point, and well aware of <laughs> who the president is and what should be doing and all this stuff. So it was it was big, it was big. And uh, um, Bill Clinton, uh, the, the case is if you don't know, uh, Bill Clinton, president of the, president of the United States at the time, uh, was accused of having a an, um, uh, what, is it, what do they call it? Uh, well, it was it, cheating on his wife with this intern. He had a bad, you know, really a, not a adulterous relationship with a 22-year-old intern at the time, Monica Lewinsky. And um, like I said, it came to light in '98, um, and uh, it was you know Clinton had, for a few days ignored it. The whole White House staff ignored it when people were being asked about it. Um, and when he was doing a speech on television, he did. I do remember this now. I remember watching this. Um, he ended his television speech with, uh, um, and he said, "I want to, I want to, I want to talk to some of the American people right now." He looked at the camera and, like, with, <laughs> like, the, like you, you believed him when you looked at him. And he's like, and it, it, the famous, "I did not have sexual relations with that woman." And every, mm-hmm. I remember my mom goes, "I think I believe him," you know. And I, I, I get it because back then, this is '98. This is early internet stuff. This is early, you know, like. And why wouldn't you? At that point, he was one of the best presidents we had as far as, I mean, everyone liked him, Republicans, Democrats, and so it's like, huh, okay. And then a few days later, it came out that, no, he did. No, yeah, he definitely had sexual relations with that woman. And uh, then it went into a trial, and he was, uh, it led to charges of perjury, and uh, he eventually was impeached, but it was not, he was impeached, but he wasn't, he didn't have to leave office. I forget how that all happened. I don't know if you remember, but... Yeah, I don't remember how that happened. Yeah, so I remember had... him asking the question. Somebody asked him something in a in interrogation type deposition or whatever. I don't know. And he said, it depends on what the definition of is is. <laughs> well, I read... Okay, I read about that. It was it and is. Like, it was both of them. He... he, he Bill Clinton is a trial lawyer. That was what his... his Before he got into politics, he was a lawyer. And so he used his skills as an attorney... To turn their questions on him to make sure he was not going to get convicted, <laughs> or it, you know, and it worked. Um, he was later uh, fined uh, it was in a separate uh, obstruction of justice case. He did have to pay like a ninety thousand dollar fine, and that and his his license to practice law in Arkansas was banned. Like he couldn't do it. Like like with he was gonna go back doing that after being president like it was kind of a slap on the wrist you know <laughs> but um it's interesting and at the time of all this you know of course there's democrats and republicans and religious people and non-religious everyone's kind of saying what they think of this 
and his approval rating, I don't know how well, you, how much you believe in approval ratings, you know, but it's pretty popular these days of people talking about it. His approval rating at this time was still 73% among Americans. So, like, that is ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? 73% yeah. is unbelievable. Like, no one's had that high. <laughs> like, Obama never had that. No. High. Like, no one's had that high of approval rating. People loved him. And um, they, they kind of, like, it is glossed over a little bit when you when you talk it's almost nowadays like now in the last like three four years with you know the the me too movement and all this stuff it wouldn't be as glass over but before it was like oh that's bill clinton ha 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 and it's like it was just kind of like he's like this good old boy whatever and it was just kind of swept under the rug and he finished his term and and that was and that was it um yeah interesting interesting stuff uh the scandal uh it was known by many names i love these the the media just loves the names there was monica gate lewinsky gate tailgate which i thought was interesting sex gate and zipper gate <laughs> so basically anything with gate and of course they're joking about the watergate scandal um yeah and uh so is the the relationship the, the inappropriate relationship was confirmed and uh his marriage to hillary clinton survived the infidelity but we probably know why <laughs> it survived because they both have aspirations for different things uh, as far as uh, her her political career and stuff but well maybe not maybe she forgives them and whatever that that's their personal thing but i am shocked that they're still together but whatever because this wasn't the first time he was accused of of being uh having relationships with other women like there was the whole Paula Jones thing and uh, you know all that stuff. So, um, and of course this came, you know this uh, th- this made famous the Joker with the blue dress. You know the blue dress. Uh, I remember uh, SNL <laughs> did a lot of stuff on this. I mean everyone was joking about this. One of my favorite SNL skits, uh, one of my favorite Will Ferrell ones was uh, Will Ferrell. I think was was portraying uh, Saddam Saddam Hussein, and he was like talking to. Molly Shannon, who was portrayed Monica Lewinsky, who had that beret on. That was the big thing with Monica. And they're joking and talking like uh, they're like teenagers. One's on, they're on each other's bed and go, "Hey, Monica, how you doing?" <laughs> you know, like it was just, it was, it was just stupid. It's like they're they're like teenage friends. And I just remember that one so much. But um, anyway, it was just yeah. This one's huge. This is absolutely huge. And uh, um, not the first time pres- a president or a politician of such power was involved in situations like this um not the last time of course but the first time in the modern internet media crazed era i would say that we live in so it really took off and uh yeah what do you remember do you, i remember having discussions in school about it um what about you no we no. did not discuss it um at school we didn't discuss it in my household <laughs> it was it was really not addressed whatsoever <laughs> Just sweep it under the rug like 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 the the whole president's presidency did. All right, Just yeah. fine. Uh, so your parents were some what uh, some of the seventy three percent, I guess. <laughs> Just like everyone, uh, they love. Uh, I don't. I think my pa- I think my parents liked him. I don't really know. My yeah. parents are very weird politically. Well, we don't, and we don't. They're very like yeah. N- they're really politically non existent. Right. Right. 
That's but it fine. doesn't really matter because they live in Illinois and that's a democratic state and it always will be. So it really doesn't matter what they vote. Right. <laughs> I live in Minnesota and it's, I think it's been blue for a very long time. So, uh, but anyway, let's not get into politics, but this, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's my, uh, that's my number two. I, as, as, I don't know how I could leave that one off. That, that one had to be on there. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. All right, Jimbo, what's your number two? I went back to music. Okay. On this one. And I did the uh, East Coast, West Coast hip hop rivalry, Ooh. specifically Tupac and Biggie. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I very, very vividly remember this and when Tupac got, got shot and when uh, Biggie got shot. Um, so it was, for anybody who doesn't know, and surprisingly, like people don't know a lot about this. Um, and it's really in the limelight right now. Like one of the channels is that FX or something is, is remaking it. And there's been a lot of documentaries out about it recently. And there was one time I was, I was working in Phoenix a couple years ago, very recently. And, uh, there was, it was like Mo Money, Mo Problems came on the radio and I was like, oh shit. And I turned it up and the reporter I was working with was like, she was like, oh yeah, I know this song. She was born in like 92, maybe more like 94. And she was like. Oh yeah, I know the song. I just recently learned that he got shot. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Like, how do you not, how do you not know that? Right. It's like, well, I just. She's like, well, I was, you know, I was born, you know, in the, in the early to mid '90s. I just didn't know anything about this, and somehow, uh, I can't remember how I brought up Kurt Cobain, and she was like, she she goes, who? And oh. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! Kurt Cobain is well, he, he died before I was born. Like, okay, John Lennon died before. Dozens and dozens of other musical artists died before I was born. Doesn't mean I can't know who they are. It just blew my mind. Blew my mind. Anyway, um, so there was East Coast, there was West Coast hip hop. What's interesting to me about that is Tupac was East Coast hip hop. Right. And he was with uh, Jimmy Ivey. And then he went to West Coast and went to Death Row Records. He was on Interscope before he went to Death Row. And uh, and Notorious B.I.G. was with uh, Sean Puffy Combs with Bad Boy Records on the East Coast. And they were friends. Tupac and Biggie were friends at one point. And uh, then they stopped being <laughs> friends obviously um yeah. they were both yeah well it, it involved like faith evans and, and faith evans was married to the first big but she slept with tupac and a whole thing um but they were both murdered in drive-by shootings by unknown assailants both crimes still unsolved to this day uh september 7th 1996 tupac was shot in uh, las vegas leaving a mike tyson fight at the MGM Grand, Suge Knight, the CEO of Death Row Records, was driving and was not shot at all. He lived for seven days before he died. And six months after that, 
uh, March 9th, 1997, Notorious B.I.G. was killed in a drive-by shooting, also by unknown assailants in Los Angeles. And he was told not to go back to the West Coast. Don't go to L.A. Something bad's going to happen. And he went to the West Coast, and he was and he was killed. So it's everything speculative. Were they related? Were they not related? Did did uh, rival coast kill the other one? Are they completely random? Nobody really knows. Somebody knows. I don't know. Well, um, I remember. I mean, I remember this so much. It's like this was crazy. This was like it was. It's like the stuff a movie was made of, and then suddenly it's really happening. Yeah. Like. You know, we shot this guy, and then so they, six months later, they, they're going to shoot his the, the other guy. It was just—it was nuts. It was crazy. It was just weird. Um, yep. Yeah, and uh, wow, this is a good one. This is a good. This kind of changed uh, the whole East Coast West Coast rivalry as far as rap music goes. It 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 it, it brought light onto it. It, it brought a mark, bad mark on it. It kind of changed a lot for that type of music. Yeah. It really did, and then uh, Sean Puppy Combs, who was always the CEO of Bad Boy, put out his own album. After that, his the the major single he put out with was "I'll Be Missing You," right? Uh, uh, sample from the Police, and I have it. It was it was like a four track EP that, that song was on, and then he came out with the Pop Daddy and the Family No Way Out album that had like everybody, Foxy Brown and Little Kim and Mace, and everybody was on that album. And he's supposed to be coming out with a sequel to it. They've been talking about that for like a year now, the No Way Out 2 album. But that that's what launched him into the music. He wasn't he didn't have his own albums out before Biggie died. Hmm. What else you got on this? I can probably talk for hours on this, but right, right. that's kind of the that's kind of the just very basic overall story. The rivalry, both of them killed, solved. You know, it's. I like, I really like '90s hip hop, so this was really interesting to me, and the whole backstory was really interesting to me on this one. Yeah, that's good. Good, good pick, Jim. Good job. I like it. Hi, I'm John Norris with an MTV News breaking story. We're outside of Peterson's Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, where the 24-year-old rap artist known as Notorious B.I.G., Christopher Wallace, was shot early Sunday morning and later died of gunshot wounds at nearby Cedar sinai Medical Center. All right, Jim, my number one, which I, I, I know you know what it is, and yes. uh, I'm curious on your number one because I think yours is different than mine. Uh Definitely. And mine, <laughs> yeah, mine is uh, the O.J. Simpson murder case. Um, yes. This just was the case of the century for for the century, but it was definitely what overtook the 90s as far as, uh, you, know, mur- uh, mur- you know, crime of murder, the crazy media coverage of a, of a case, and uh, the, the, the chase uh, the, in, in the white Bronco, everything. This had so many different elements to it. This was just a huge deal for a couple of years, um, and has continued to live on. And people talk about it to this day. And um, I'm 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 shocked you didn't put this on, but I I'm so I'm curious what your number one is. But I know you'll be able to contribute a lot on this one. I am I'm assuming, right? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone out there who doesn't know, but O.J. Simpson. Uh, was accused of murdering his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend, Ron Goldman, on June 12, 1994. 
And well, to be fair, though, he was only accused of doing it because he effing murdered them. Right. Yes. So yeah. Like... Can, what, can we get can we get our thought on that out right away? <laughs> I'm in the camp of he murdered them. Okay, I don't yes. know where you stand but, on this, Jim. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've watched a lot of like a lot of documentaries on this. Like somebody just did a whole documentary series on it yeah. that we watched, and then there was like the FX show on it that we watched. And, but the thing is, it's broken. Everything we watch, like documentary-wise, on the O.J. Simpson trial, breaks us down racially. Right. It's like it was a very racially divided situation, and it it uh, it was coming off of Rodney King and the L.A. riots. So the the country was very very racially divided. It still is, but um, basically the way that it's laid out in everything I've watched says, if you're white you think he did it and if you're not white then you don't think he did it right yeah you're you're absolutely right that's i mean it's as simple as that which is uh and not I, correct i happen yeah i happen to be white right so oj murdered them right that's, <laughs> i guess that is what i believe yeah i mean i'm white too i don't think because i'm white is the reason i think he murdered them i just think he murdered them <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think he murdered them because he murdered them right right um um, this was so crazy. This was absolutely crazy. Um, the I remember this, like, because this happened, and I remember the, when it initially happened. You heard about it, you know. When I was young. We were. This is in '94, so we were 12. And I was 12. Well, you were 12 too. And uh, it, it was just like it didn't register when you're 12. Like, okay. That's weird because, one, you didn't really know who O.J. Simpson was unless you're a huge football fan and a football fan of the 70s, like, you know, that. And you just knew him of the guy who talks, you know, he was a commentator, I think, for CBS or something. But um, I knew him more for the, for the Naked Gun. The na- in the Naked Gun movies, yeah, yeah. And uh, he also, uh, I remember him being like budget car rental commercials or something like that. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> um, but anyway, like, what... So that happened in June 12th, but what really got everyone sucked in, that in this case just turned nuts, was five days later on June 17th of that year, when he was supposed to turn himself in, and suddenly he didn't. <laughs> and five hours, because he, so for five hours, they didn't know where he was, and then suddenly he was involved in a very low speed pursuit in a white. 1993 <laughs> Ford Bronco SUV driven by his friend Al Collins. On, I'm AC, uh, you know who I am. I'm AC, you know who I am, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Meanwhile, the dispatcher's like, what? Who? Who? It's like, I pay for USC. Yeah, no one cares. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was so weird. It was going like 25 miles an hour on, I don't know what highway it was, what, you know, what interstate or whatever, but it was in the middle of LA. And uh, I remember them breaking into. Uh, the, the 1994 NBA Finals that were going on the same time. Oh, my God. And they were breaking. There's a, yeah. There's a great 30 for 30 on that. It's um, amazing. That's yeah. an amazing 30 for 30. It was like, okay, so it was it was like Ken Griffey Jr. was breaking a, a hitting record. Yeah. It was, um, uh, what's his name? Um, was it Arnold Palmer's last PGA Tour? Yep. It was like the then Houston Rockets the, and the Knicks, I think, or something like that. Yeah, the Knicks, and then the Rangers were having their parade. 
Oh, the, because they just won the Stanley yep, Cup. Yeah. And there was something else went on, too, at the same time as the OJ chase. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. If you're a th- fan of 30 for 30s, this one is very different. Um, but I love the way they did it because they broke it down minute by minute what was going on simultaneously with the chase. Um, it's an amazing one. Go check it out. Um, it's very cool. Uh um, but yeah, I remember. I remember watching the fight. My dad's a huge NBA fan. Back in '94, you know, you watch what was on, and we were watching the the, the basketball finals, and they kept breaking in. And you see this white Bronco followed by like 38 cop cars, <laughs> you know, and like all these helicopters in the in in the air, you know, for media helicopters. They had so many up there, and there's one. The chase went on for so long. There's a story about one station's helicopter ran out of fuel. And they let another station let them just use their feed because they're like, well, why not? We're all showing the same thing. So oh, they wow. say, yeah, so which is kind of crazy. Because I think at one point they said they had 11 helicopters up in the air following this thing, which I I don't know how that if FAA even allowed that, but what, whatever. <laughs> um, the event was watched. The, the event, I, sp- I would say this event is of the car chase was watched by 95, estimated 95 million people. Uh, that's amazing. Um, the pursuit, arrest, and trial were among the most widely publicized events in American history. Um, and it, it start it spanned eleven months. Uh, start you know the with uh, the jury uh, with the jury swearing in of November was well, it started in June, but the the jury swearing in November 9th, nineteen eighty four, and then the the trial went eleven months from there. Um, and the statements were read in ninety January of ninety five. And the verdict was announced on October third, nineteen ninety-five, and where Simpson was acquitted on both counts of murder, but later was sued in a civil suit by Ron Goldman's parents and lost, which blows my mind. That, yes, that like, doesn't make sense. He lost, and he they were awarded like thirty-five million dollars, which they have seen hardly any of that money, by the way. So don't like say, oh, at least they got money. Which one? No, their son's still dead, and they've gotten like nothing. So, um, but yeah, uh, it's just crazy. Um, going back to the car chase, um, Domino's Pizza benefited. They said this was the highest deli- pizza delivery sales they've ever had, uh, and they were just as large as Super Bowl Sunday of that year. So I oh thought that was gosh. interesting. People, people were glued, absolutely glued to the table. I mean, I'm talking about the whole OJ trial, but I'm, like, this specific event, I think, is what really is really more of what I want to talk about. Is just, it was just crazy. People were lining the streets, and you're right. There was that division of black and white and Hispanic people. Like, you know, every time they would interview someone, if there was a white guy, he's like, "Well, I think he did it," and then the white guy was like, "No, man, OJ's fine." You know, like <laughs> it was just just the way. And they they would find. I'm not trying to be. Reason, but they they would find the white guy who sounded like that, and they'd find the black guy who sounded like that. it was horrible. It was just like it, it just made you. It's like really come on, and um, but yeah, it was it was crazy. And I remember they did the same thing when the verdict was read. They showed people gather around TV, and it was all white people, and they're like, um, mad he was acquitted, and then they showed all black people, and they're they're happy. It was just like oh man, you're not yeah. not helping here, but uh, just so amazing. It's just crazy, absolutely crazy. He and he. OJ could not get. I mean, over the years, he could not get out of his own way with this. He tried to come out with a book called. Remember this one called "If I Did It." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or just you mean your account of actually what happened? Isn't that what the book is? Right. Right. Um, and then he was. Um, 
he has gone bankrupt and he had to sell a lot of his stuff, including his Heisman Trophy and stuff. And uh, I, I can't remember which year, I didn't write it down, but was uh, caught uh, robbing someone who has some of his old stuff to get some of his stuff back. Oh, yeah. Finally went to jail for that. <laughs> That's what he went to jail for. It, and he served time in prison, which I believe now he is out, I think. I think so. Am I, I yeah, might be he wrong. Was, yeah. He was released. That was um, recently, I think. Yeah, within the last year, I feel like. Right. And uh, just insane. This trial was crazy. I mean, we we could go on and on about this. But there was, you know, the Judge Ito, which was the, the that's I think Judge Ito sir, and, and Marsha Clark, who is the prosecuting attorney, they're the ones that were uh, uh, joked about the most as far as on a SNL or other skit show stuff. We always have Mike Myers played Judge Ito, had a little beard on, and Marsha I forget who played Marsha Clark, but she had the the she had this like, this this mom hair and then suddenly one day she got a makeover. I remember that and came to court and that's all they talked about. Yep. Like, let's not talk about yeah. the case. We're going to talk about Marsha Clark's makeover. It was the most, it was this, I don't know if this, what is what created court TV, that channel, but it, it certainly might've, um, it was crazy. It was just absolutely crazy. This whole thing was nuts. It was a circus, literal court circus. <laughs> so I don't yep. know. We can go on and on about it, but what else? Do you have any more things about it? Um, gosh, I, I remember watching the verdict in school. Yeah, me too. Um, I was in junior high. I remember watching that. I had, I remember I asked my mom recently if she kept this, I think she threw it out, but, um, I remember going to a bookstore and, and looking through their, like their humor section and finding it was a book I bought, but it was like a legal notepad. Okay, and it was it was supposed to be like all the doodles and drawings that OJ drew through the through the trial. Oh my gosh, are you serious? It was hilarious. <laughs> it was so funny. It was like doodles he drew and like notes that he wrote to his lawyers and would slide over to him. And it was just yeah. a whole legal notepad of hilarious stuff. I wish I could still yeah. find it, but I can't. <laughs> Um, a couple, a couple of things I wrote down. It just I remember. I didn't even research this. I just distinctly remember about this stuff. Um, was one with Johnny Cochran was one of his lawyers who was, uh, you know, Johnny Cochran has now passed away, but he was a uh, very animated type, almost like Don King for Mike Tyson. You know, he was like that kind of, he, he was very like a TV lawyer, like what you'd see on TV, like in, he, he was a great lawyer. That's probably why he seems to have any in the whole, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit, you know, like that whole right. line. you remember that everyone talked about that. And, um, you know, and then uh, mentioned Marsha Clark and Ido, but uh, um, oh crap, where was I going with that? Oh shoot, uh, I don't remember now. There was something else I thought of, but I'll think of it later. But um, yeah, it's just what a, what a crazy, crazy thing. So <sighs> the juice is loose. That's the other one I was remember. <laughs> That's what they kept saying. The juice is loose. Oh, oh, this is this. Oh, on SNL, the day after the week, the, whatever the Saturday after he was acquitted. Norm MacDonald was the host of Weekend Update on SNL. And he just started off, he goes, well, this just in, murder is now legal in the state of California. <laughs> That's the one I remember. Uh, what were you going to say? I'm, I'm looking at the, it's OJ's legal notepad. I just found it on Amazon. Okay. And uh, it's hilarious. It says like private property of OJ Simpson, but it, it looks like a junior high. kids running all over it. <laughs> And uh, it's got like a girl holding like the scales of justice, and then one party's got a skull and crossbones, and it says, "Keep your hands off, or I'll kill you!" Ha oh ha! My gosh, oh my god! Oh uh, man! 
And then, oh, we didn't even mention Cato Kalin, but let's not even go there. Let's not even. <laughs> let's not. This house guest at the time. What a crazy story. What a crazy story. All right. That's enough of OJ, I think. Bizarre happenings in Los Angeles, and it all began with charges laid by L.A. police against O.J. Simpson in connection with the brutal slaying of his ex-wife Nicole and 25-year-old Ron Goldman. Simpson, charged with the two counts of murder, was supposed to surrender to L.A. police at 2 Eastern this afternoon, but failed to show up. He is now considered a fugitive from justice, and police are on the hunt. A car left O.J. Simpson's house, apparently on its way to the police station. Unconfirmed rumors had Simpson himself driving. According to L.A. Police Department, Simpson was indeed supposed to be on his way. Things went wrong from there. All right, Jim, what uh, what do you got for your number one, man? Uh, my number one is uh, another cult. And I don't know if it's one a lot of people even remember. Maybe you do. I don't know. Do you remember the Heaven's Gate? Oh, yeah, that's honorable mention. Hail Bop, right? Hail Bop comic. Yeah, yeah, that was on my honorable mentions list, yes. Yeah. Uh, Heaven's Gate. There was just a podcast released about Heaven's Gate. It was like a 10-part. Okay. Um, Heaven's Gate was an American UFO religious cult based in San Diego. Okay. Take that all in. Right. <laughs> it's... Founded in 1974 by Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. I gotta Google these people because the sight of Marshall Applewhite still gives me chills. Oh yeah, definitely does. Now Bonnie Nettles died in 1985, so she didn't take the journey that the rest of them did in 1997. March 26th, 1997, the police discovered the bodies of 39 members of the group who had participated in a mass suicide wait for it in order to reach what they believed was an extraterrestrial spacecraft following the Hale-Bopp comet yeah well Jim who's to say it wasn't there (laughs) oh wait science science says it wasn't there okay sorry (laughs) answer my own question damn you (laughs) the uh Okay, so oh God. the the members believed yes. that Earth was about to be recycled, meaning it was going to be wiped clean and renewed, and the only chance of survival was to leave it immediately. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so glad you put this as your number one. This is perfect. <laughs> I, it's so fascinating to me. I just love this type of stuff. Um, so Marshall Applewhite claimed that the UFO was trailing the comet. He persuaded 38 followers to commit suicide so that their souls could board the craft. Applewhite believed that after their deaths, the UFO would take their souls to another level of existence which he described as being both physical it excuse me and spiritual um okay i don't i don't even know the, oh this is the best in in october in october of 1996 the group purchased alien abduction insurance that would cover up to 50 members and would pay out 1 million per person who sells that Someone trying to make their Who quota. Someone trying to be like, hey, boss, look what I got for the month end. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, how does that happen? I don't even know. That's not like State Farm's not giving that out. Not anymore. Anymore, they had to pay out fifty-two million dollars. <laughs> so, the members took phenobarbital mixed with applesauce, and just for a kicker, washed it down with vodka. Well, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I call that a Friday. Right. Um, additionally, they secured plastic bags around their heads, and after after ingesting the mix to induce asphyxiation authorities found the dead laying neatly um on their bunk beds faces and torsos covered by you probably remember this image by mm-hmm. square purple cloth yep. and they're um all wearing they're all rocking the same black nikes yeah they're all rocking like the like the stereotypical italian mobster from the early 90s like track suit and in tennis shoes <laughs> you know like yeah. it was weird that's yep. kind of nice they all had the and same they uniform all had though the armbands on right they had armbands within the patches said heaven's gate away team oh. which was a nod to star trek right right and i'm a star trek fan but these people are fucking crazy <laughs> well, since you're a star trek fan also among the dead was a guy named thomas nichols who was the brother of peter uh, nichols is it P- peter no <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding. Yeah, Michelle Nichols, who was Uhura right. in Star Trek. Yeah. Her brother was in Heaven's Gate. Yeah, which that's sad. It's too bad. So Wow. Yeah. This was nuts. Yeah. This was absolutely crazy. Like this I I don't know, man. I mean this This was even weirder than Waco, I think. This was just as far Definitely. as like this came out of nowhere. Like this 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 idea, like you know, we talked about you talked about the branch Davidians and stuff. This was just fucking weird. Sorry, that's my second f bomb. But we can have two this week because this story's nuts. And <laughs> it is like at least like a lot of the other ones, like um, like David Koresh and Scientology and a number of other ones are religious cults, right? And that's kind of in a section on its own, right? This is an alien cult, which is way more bizarre, right? I think. Right. Wasn't there sodomy involved? Did you read that? Am I off on that one? <laughs> I don't. Hello? <laughs> I don't know. I thought there was, well, castration, though. That's For what I mean. Reason, Wasn't there castration or something? Castration. That's there what was it was. castration involved. Two different things, by the way. Yeah. Sodomy and castration. Two, di- two different things. Uh, <laughs> two, two, yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure. Uh, which, why, what, you're going on a ship. We really didn't, uh, anyway. Anyway, this is nuts. Uh, well, I hope they made it. I hope they made it to their ship. I guess, what else do you say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Guess time was hell on that one. Yeah. Well, they're all they're gonna have the last laugh, I guess. Um, okay. Wow. Good, good stuff, Jim. We didn't even go to honorable mentions. Did you have a couple that you uh, didn't want to didn't put on your list here? Yeah. Um, the the DC mayor smoking crack in a hotel room. Oh yes, yes. And then getting reelected, by the way, after he got out of prison. Well, yep. That's that's fantastic. Yep. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Unabomber. Yes, I had that one on my honorable mentions. Yes. Yeah. Um, the uh, if we're going sports, the McGuire Sosa home run race yes. was huge. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. And uh, the 1992 Dream Team. 
Oh my gosh! See, we could do a whole sports one, um, just yeah. just because of that. Yeah, the nineteen ninety greatest basketball team ever assembled. Um, I had uh, President Bush puking on the Chinese Prime Minister. <laughs> Um, uh, Joey Buttafuoco and the Amy Fisher scandal. That was kind of along the same lines with the oh, Lord. Remember, yeah. that was kind of going on, I think, a year after the whole Lorena Bobbitt, John, that was all kind of around the same time. Um, uh, the Gulf War, of course, the Rodney King and the race riots. Um, uh, see, Princess uh, Diana, when she, you know, she passed away. That was huge. Um, yeah, I remember that. I remember when she was, I was actually, it's weird to say, but I was in the hospital oh. when she died. I remember. My me and my mom watching the, her coverage. You took it pretty hard then. When I was in the hospital. Yeah, I took it really hard. <laughs> yeah, sorry, um, but yeah, I do remember that. That was all over the place. Uh, collapse of the Soviet Union. Um, uh, well, I was really young, but that was that was big. Um, and uh, I had Hale Bob. Oh, and then Clarence Thomas. You know the whole. <laughs> mm-hmm. The whole uh, can of coke thing. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. Um, but yeah, this this was an interesting topic. This was fun. I knew this would be kind of it'd be. Not hard, but it was just it'd be a little different show. But I thought this was kind of cool to do. We both coming from a news background. We got it, you know. This is stuff that we uh, we we would talk about anyway. So this is this is good. This is good. Did you like? Do you enjoy the show, Jim? Did you enjoy your time here? <laughs> I did. It was lovely. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. You can come back anytime. <laughs> Where can everyone find us and hear us, Jim? Uh, wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Yep. And. All the social medias. There you we're, go. We're there. We're here. Tom and Jim's top five. Just look for us. Find us on Gmail. You can email us at Gmail too. Um, next week, Jim, I think uh, we decided already we're gonna do. We're gonna do our top five rock uh, bands, or we do songs. I don't remember which one we picked. Bands. 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 Okay, top five rock bands. Um, yeah. So that'd be fun, and not from any. That's just span the whole era, right? We're not doing this '90s or anything. We're just doing everyone. Just do yeah, just doing rock bands mm-hmm. and and no no limitation. We're not breaking down rock. We're not going to do right. like it's just rock. You can right. do heavy metal. Right. You can do goth. You can do right. you know whatever crazy stuff comes out of Sweden. It doesn't matter. It's just <laughs> all all rock. Whatever the, you want to do. The best stuff comes out of Sweden. We already know that, Jim. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just death metal. This would be fun. We haven't done a music one for a little bit. I'm excited about it. Uh, this would be good. This would be good. All right, man. Well, I will let you go. I will talk to you, uh, I, I don't know, I'd say about five minutes. Mm, I'll be here. Mm-hmm.